I'm getting an already made Lego set of a PlayStation. But if I wanted to, I could totally take apart that PlayStation and build mini PlayStations with it. So what we've provided you... Are you saying Space Station? Is that what you mean? What did I say? PlayStation. I meant Space Station. <laughs> Hold on, let me take my hat off. I'm so warm here. Oh, man. You can really tell the difference between when Alan's wearing a hat and not wearing a hat. <laughs> I'm Alan Gerding, and welcome to the Tuesday Night Podcast. The podcast, it's all about the stories we make while playing the games we love on, around, even under the gaming table. Talking board games, card games, dice, role-playing games. Ooh, role-playing games especially in this episode, because this is episode 167, which I'm entitling the Pound of Flesh episode, because we've got a Kickstarter going on about a pound of flesh. (laughs) And with me... I have the Walter White to my Jesse Pinkerton, Sean McCoy. I am the darkness. Hello, hello, hello. Is that something Walter White says? He does say that, yeah. <laughs> That's so It's ridiculous. like, you should be afraid of the darkness. And he's like, I am the darkness. The darkness is not afraid of the darkness. People are afraid of me. I've never rewatched a single episode of Breaking Bad. Me neither. I've watched it every episode, of course. Loved it. I watched every episode but the last one. You're kidding me. You're just fucking with me. I was behind and I was catching up and so that I could catch the season finale, the series finale live. And then I was just about to finish the last episode or the second to last episode. And then the episode aired and I couldn't catch it live. And then I was like, okay, I'll watch it tomorrow. And then I got busy and I was like, all right, I'll watch it tomorrow. And it's such a stressful show <laughs> that like being cut off halfway through the finale I was like, oh, oh my God, when am I going to get back into it? And then after enough time passed, I was like, well, I don't even remember what was going on. I can't just start watching the second to last episode to watch the finale again. And so I've never seen the end of the show. It reminds me of how I feel when I'm cleaning up my room. Once it gets so messy, I just think, where where, where am I going to begin? And then I just live in a pigsty. I wish that had happened with me and How I Met Your Mother. I wish I had not finished that show. Wait, you met my mom? <laughs> I've met your mom several times. <laughs> Ah, Let's do this, Sean. Yes, sir. Last episode, we had Don Stroud, and he talked a little bit about a pound of flesh. Yes. What are you calling this? Is it a module? Is it a supplement? We call it a module for people in the know, and for people who are not super into it, we call it an adventure. Got it. Now, I have no idea why it's called a pound of flesh, But all Don Stroud told us was that it is basically the Tartuga of space stations where criminals, space pirates, scumbags, 'er ne'er-do-wells come to a space station to restock on supplies and gamble away their money or partake in some prostitution, maybe some drugs. It's the back alley red light district of the entire universe. (laughs) That's not far off. Yeah, the space station we've designed is called Prospero's Dream, and it's a back alley, backwater, black market space station where thieves and assassins rub elbows with slick screen stars. Oh, you know what? I should, I should, you're doing so well. I want you to be Walter White 
and explain it in less than a minute, and then we'll get into nitty gritty. How's that sound, Sean? It sounds awful. Let's do it. Hi there. I've completely forgotten what Walter White sounds like, so I'm kind of doing this Vice, um, Dick Cheney kind of voice. Anyway, a pound of flesh is about a back one or back alley space station called Prospero's Dream, but not only that, it gives you the tools that you need to design your own space station for your own campaign. It's sprawling with thieves and assassins and jobs and missions and terrifying creatures lurking behind every corner. Ding. Yeah, I don't really have a good Walter White voice, but I have a great Dick Cheney voice. (laughs) Um, (laughs) You do have a great Cheney voice. It's from watching that movie about Dick Cheney. It's a Christian Bale voice, yeah, is what it is. I really threw that on you, too. We do not plan these episodes at all. You had no idea I was going to throw Walter White at you. And we're not using the magic of editing to our advantage in this case. So I give you props for just throwing away Walter White and just going with Dick Cheney. Rolling with the punches. What else is there then? So we, we you can make your own space station, but you've already made one for us. Is that the way it works? Or is it that you have some random generator and you have to create Prospero's? Is it called Prospero's One? Prospero's Dream. Prospero's Dream. So is it that you have to design this space station, Prospero's dream, and then the adventure happens within there, or it's already self-completed? So Help me we out. We have an informal behind-the-scenes style guide that we give to our new writers for Mothership, and it contains Ooh. a lot of our design principles, the things that we think separate Mothership from other role-playing games. And one of the big ones for any module is that all modules have to have a good mix of what we call designed and procedural content. Procedural content, you might think of procedurally generated video games. Uh, Diablo is a good example of this, where new levels are randomized whenever you go down to them. Diablo is the first one I think of. I'm sure there were some before Diablo, but El Diablo numero uno is the one I think of as being, in my mind, the first strongly procedurally generated labyrinth. Diablo goes way back to the original roguelikes like Rogue or NetHack or some of these text-based browser games that also had completely randomly generated dungeons. That's where the term roguelike comes from, games that are like the old text-based game Rogue, which were all procedurally generated. So we want a good mixture of the two things. We want designed content where you can say, I've got people coming over at eight. I don't want to have to do any work on my own. What have you got? And for this module, that's Prospero's Dream. It is a space station filled with NPCs and quests and things to buy and ways to interact with it. Aside from that, we also have the tools to generate your own space stations similar to Prospero's Dream. Now, Prospero's Dream could be a big location in your Mothership game, or you could break it up into little space stations, take the opium den out of Prospero's Dream and put it on your own space station, or take the slick screen VR bay, put it on your station. So you can run each of those individually, or you can run them together as this giant Death Star-like city. So this is a fair analogy. If you back a pound of flesh, the mothership horror sci-fi adventure, what you're getting is a complete Lego set already designed and made for you as a space station. But there's also the capability of breaking it down Lego brick by Lego brick so you can create something totally unique, something that you want out of these Lego bricks. Is the Lego analogy good or am I totally an asshole? It's good, but it's not complete. So you can take the pre-built thing, break it apart and use it on your own Lego sets. And we have our own Legos in the bag and instructions as well. So you can break it apart, take pieces from it, 
or you can use our generators to build your own. Because not only do you need like this huge black market space station in your world, you might need small refueling stations or mining stations or repair bays or scientific research stations. So we've got tools in there to quickly on the go generate a space station for your players to stop at while they're bouncing around the world. And part of this is because Dead Planet is a notoriously difficult module, and it's meant to be that way. It's got a lot of scares in it. It's got a lot of death and frustration. A pound of flesh, while still being high challenge, is more of a location to visit and interact with in your world on multiple occasions, to use as a home base or waypoint while you're going out on your other missions, as well as designing your own space stations for you to use and play. So like we said, good mix of designed content and procedural content. So let's go back to uh, what you called your design template. What did you call it that you would give all would-be authors of future adventures that we would publish for Mothership? Our style guide. Okay, so the style guide for Mothership. You need to come up with a completely already made Lego set so that no one has to assemble anything right out of the bat if they want to. But also, it's supposed to come with some uh, Lego bricks so you can make whatever you want. And also, it comes with some rules of very specific things you can build with those Lego bricks. Maybe I should get rid of this Lego analogy, but is that part of the style guide? Yeah, absolutely. We are very clear that we want something pre-built for players to use, but also to give them the tools to build their own things for a couple of reasons. One is just replayability so that if you use the module and let's say you use dead planet and you use all the content in dead planet and you do all the adventure stuff, there's still a reason to pick the book up again months and years later, even if you're not playing in that sort of sector of space anymore, because you still want to use the tools that are in it. Maybe you want to use the colonist generator or what maybe you want to use the D 100 nightmares table from dead planet. Well, for A pound of flesh, it's the same sort of thought process. Maybe you're done with Prospero's dream. Maybe you're in another part of the galaxy, but you still want to have a reason why we think you should reach back for a pound of flesh and use the tools we gave you in it going forward. From a consumer standpoint, it's about expanding the value of the book to be more than just run through it once and you're done, you put it in your shelf and never visit it again. Like a Call of Cthulhu adventure where once you know the mystery, it's over. And for ours, we wanted to say this is part adventure, part supplement, part toolkit, part lore, all those sort of different things put together. It's something you want to back on Kickstarter, right? Meow. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) I'm with you because I have so many adventures from Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay, probably the role-playing game that I've played the most. It's in competition with Call of Cthulhu. Once I go through these mysteries, even some that I've written, I keep them, and I have no idea why, unless I find another group with which I can play that same adventure. Plot spoiler, my nephew's getting older, and he's starting to get into role-playing games. I'm hoping there's this whole future of me being this GM uncle dude that gets to rerun the best adventures that I ran back in the day. And playing some new Mothership adventures. It's weird because Mothership is so sci-fi horror. I can't see myself comfortably playing it yet with my nephew. Mm, it's dark. I mean, Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay is pretty dark too, but... It's can, really dark. <laughs> if you were to run Mothership for kids and you didn't want to go deep into the horror, you'd probably run it more like Firefly. We Fly around space and, uh, you know, every now and then an alien pops up, but you wouldn't get into the darker sort of everybody's poor, everybody's starving, <laughs> everything's going to kill you, stress sort of mechanics of Mothership. Maybe you could though. I mean, a lot of kids play it, but... It's really up to you and your comfort level.
Let's talk about some specific tools that are in this toolbox. We're not talking about the story. We're talking about, I don't know, chart, diagram. Give me some goods. Give me a little bit of a spoiler of what tools I can find in a pound of flesh. The big one that I really like is the space station generator. And basically the way it works is you take a D10 and you start off with what we call the dry dock, which is where you'd park your spaceship. You roll a D10 and then we have this big chart of entries and then you look up what that entry is and maybe it's something like a hydroponic space farm. So you draw a circle on your map, you write down what that is, then you roll another d10 and add it to the first one. Now you get a four, so now you have 11, you look up 11 on the table and you find that it's a slaughterhouse. You're like, oh, that's really interesting. And you keep doing this for as big or as small as you want the space station to be. And what this means is we can put weirder entries way up at the top of the list at the hundreds or 120s because you're not gonna get there without rolling a ton of dice. But we could put the more common stuff like refueling stations, mercenaries, capsule pods, for sleeping down near the bottom of the list in the lower entries. Very quick, very simple, not meant to eke out every single corner of the space station, but to let your players know when you land, like, okay, well, what is there to do? And the DM can be like, all right, well, there's a bar and uh, next to the bar is a capsule hotel and next to that capsule hotel, oh, there's a there's a gun store and next to that is a spacesuit repair place and, oh, there's a fence, they're buying goods, that kind of stuff. So you can quickly sort of generate that sort of uh, location. Because running space stations is a lot more like running cities in a fantasy game than it is like running dungeons. You handle everything at a higher level. We're going to go here, we're going to go there. It's a lot more like traveling around in a city rather than going, okay, we open that door. Um, Additionally, we have a Mad Lib style generator that tells you what's going on on the space station from a narrative level. What you can buy there, what the conflicts are, who runs the place, that sort of thing. So very quickly, in your spare time at home, you can use this as a prompt to let you know, uh, to, to get you thinking about the space station. Or in the heat of the moment, you can say, okay, well, we're at this Whitehall space station and it's got all these different things and these are the factions that are running it, that sort of thing. I love this for very specific reasons. It applies to very different types of wardens, which is our term for game masters in Mothership. I can just sit at home and plan hours in advance before the adventure to make sure I know exactly where everything is. Or if I only have 30 minutes before my group shows up, I could just whip it out right then and there. Well, that sounds inappropriate. But also, I can do it right there on the fly with everyone so that they're rolling the dice and they get to experience the randomness of it as well. So no matter your game mastering type, no matter your planning level, there's something there. Inevitably, I end up being all three of these types, the improver, the quick planner, and then the deep heavy planner because I'll make heavy plans for an adventure And then players always find some way to do something that I didn't think of. And that's one of the beautiful things about role-playing games. In A Pound of Flesh, Dead Planet, Style Guide says all future adventures in Mothership should be able to accommodate all three of those types of game masters. Absolutely, yeah. We want to allow you to sort of unlock your brain and play around with this solo, but also we don't want to hold up play at the table by you going like, hold on. Okay, hold on. Uh... Hold on. Like the guy who has a guitar at the camp out that doesn't really know the song. (laughs) So you talked about some other charts. Are there any other charts that you're really excited about, Sean? A big module inside the Space Station Prospero's Dream that I'm excited about is the Cybernetic Chop Shop. 
where you can go get augmented and swap out your arms or limbs for other mechanical things as well as sort of improve your brain with software and that kind of stuff. A lot of people have been wanting to implement cybernetics into the game as you have androids already and to sort of give it that cyberpunk sort of feel. Ooh, this module, this adventure has a lot of that in it with a lot of focus on cybernetics and how they interface, what kind of weird viruses you can get by installing them or paying for shoddy work. I think people are gonna have a lot of fun with that. This reminds me of the role-playing game you're working on before Mothership, and that's Null Hack. Is this something where you've just resuscitated some info you've done from Null Hack and put it into Mothership? So Null Hack, if you don't know at home, was one of the first RPGs I started working on, which was a cyberpunk role-playing game. Alan and I played tested for a bit and it had a lot of flaws and needed a lot of work. I haven't really given up on it, but one thing I've been tooling around with the idea is making Null Hack a supplement or a setting for Mothership, using the Mothership system and making Null Hack rules for running cyberpunk games on a citywide planet. Basically, it's my way of saying that Blade Runner and Alien are in the same cinematic universe. <laughs> Mind blown. Gotta get clean up aisle my office. Scrape my brains off the wall. Cause my mind's so blown, Sean. So we are regurgitating or reusing some of that content that's never seen the light of day, but in the hopes of maybe connecting it to something broader further down the line. I, I'm a big plot spoiler, dude. I want some of the treats. Can you think of one of your favorite cybernetic enhancements or a virus or anything that's going on in a pound of flesh? Something to just whet my appetite. Here is one of my favorites of the cybernetic enhancements. It is a pet AI. It's a virtual pet implanted in your head to help you alleviate stress. Initially meant to help Marines during wartime when access to normal stress relievers was limited. This is brilliant. It's a service dog. It's a service without dog. Without having to annoy anybody else on the airplane. Right. And they're not bothering you or peeing on the floor. You can turn it on and off, like deal with its personality, that sort of stuff. It's a Tamagotchi, but better. It's a Tamagotchi, but better. And that's something I really, no joke, would love in real life. A pet that never ages or gets old or goes away, but somebody who can be there for you like a companion. You can still buy Tamagotchis, Sean. I have one at home in, in the box that I bought off eBay maybe four or five years ago. And I was like, I want to break this out whenever uh, whenever I'm feeling lonely or bored. But I have a girlfriend now, so... Problem is, Tamagotchis still can die. Yeah, if they poop too much. They should just make a Tamagotchi that just gets angry. You look back at your Tamagotchi, haven't looked at it for five years, and you find out that it's killed a whole bunch of other Pokemon and whatnot. Like, why is Pikachu's head on my Tamagotchi? (laughs) So that's probably my favorite one, the one that I'm most excited about. That's really cool. Man. You are basically the producer. We talked last episode about equating this to film, where... Tuesday Night Games is the producer, the funder, but then you have lead writers, which is Don Stroud and Chance Phillips. What else should we know? It's gonna have a lot of cool art in it. Uh, We're using this special printing process called Rizograph, where they lay down the ink sort of in layers, so you get this cool overlay effect. And I'm not 100% sure that we're gonna do that for more than just the Kickstarter. I think it's gonna be a special Kickstarter edition. And we'll go back to doing normal printing like we did on Dead Planet for future versions, because it's a little bit more time and labor extensive. Sean, let's derail this a little bit and uh, get to some biz. You want to talk about our sponsor spot a little bit? Yes, I do. 
sponsors, yay! Thank you for sponsoring us. Send us free stuff for money, and we'll talk about your stuff, but only if we like it. Ha <laughs> <laughs> That might get my award for favorite, uh, what do you call it? Favorite them? Sting? Favorite Sting, yep. Sting? I like it. Segment intro? <laughs> All right. Thanks for validating my efforts. I appreciate that. So go on, sir. The Game Crafter. Huge, huge, huge. In fact, I was actually talking to Chance Phillips, one of the writers on A Pen of Flesh, because I believe he's talking about doing a card game this summer on Kickstarter. And he was asking about reviews and what we should do and if I had any advice from working in the board game world. And the biggest piece of advice I had was go to gameicons.net, get some nice icons, and then go to the Game Crafter and design your prototype so that you can send it to Kickstarter reviewers, previewers. Um, with something that looks professional. Everybody's used to playing prototypes. It's part of the board game business. However, the more you can do to make your prototype look like a real thing, the more fun they're going to have. So trying not to put any barriers between you and future publishers or reviewers in terms of, well, you can imagine what it'll look like when it's not just an index card with my handwriting written all over it. It just doesn't fly anymore. Yeah. Seriously, the expectations of quality has gone up. I think going back to film, it's the same thing. If you are going to show someone a pilot or a trailer of a show for which you have an idea, the expectation of quality is so much higher now than it was just 10 years ago. Have you heard of the show Project Greenlight with Ben Affleck and Matt Damon? I have. It's an older show. It is an older show, but the thing is, basically, they wanted to be producers, and they had a whole bunch of people send in ideas for movies, and then they would choose a movie to produce on this Project Greenlight. And they wanted it to be a type of reality TV show to show what goes on behind the scenes. They took about a five, ten-year hiatus. I'm not looking this up because it's not worth my time, but basically, there was like two seasons of Project Greenlight, And then the third season was years later and on a different network. I think it moved to HBO or something. Point is this, Ben Affleck said, oh my God, just since the last time we ran Project Greenlight, the quality of the videos is vastly improved. So now when you're pitching games, and I'm not trying to fear monger would-be game designers or whatnot, but the truth of the matter is, it has to be one hell of a good game if you're just bringing out note cards with scribbles on it at this point to publishers. I don't want to dissuade anyone from doing that, but at the same point, it does show a little lack of time investment because it doesn't take much time if you use services like thegamecrafter.com, which can easily transform that into reality, especially since they provide templates for you with their game design assets page. So even if you don't know how to make the graphic design for cards, you can just download one already available to you on thegamecrafter.com. Did you even know about that, that they have that service, the game design assets, Sean? I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. In fact, if you wanted to, if you were done with your Dead Planet art that you've done, Sean, you could actually put it up on thegamecrafter.com for other people to use in their games if you'd want. And you can charge for it if you want to as well. So if you said, hey, here's my art, but I want to get five bucks anytime someone uses this, they'll do that for you. That's just another service of thegamecrafter.com. Pretty crazy. I love it. (laughs) All right, Sean, I 
love talking to you just about everything that's going on. And we've been so busy getting ready with this Kickstarter. We filmed that fun video together in outer space. That pretty much blew our whole budget, by the way. Yeah. Filming in space is really expensive. Mm -hmm. It's not just as easy as going down to your local Quickie Mart and filming in front of the slushy machine. No. You have to rent the suits. You got the oxygen tanks. Man, oxygen's expensive. You'd think it would be free since there's so much of it, but apparently not. Anyway. Space Force joke. I want to chill out with you a little bit. Let's talk about what we're up to lately. You reading any good books lately, Sean? All right. It's time for me to go. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Sean, if people have any comments, questions, concerns, or they want to start doing some Nave Tonight submissions, what should they do? They should email us podcast at TuesdayNightGames.com. That is correct. And if you are on social media, like a couple people are, we're on social media too. At PlayTKG. We're on Twitter, Instagram, or even on the Facebook. If you Google us, you'll find it. We also have our website, blah, 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 blah. But the way you can really help the podcast is giving us a nice review on iTunes. Share the shit out of this show. Don't just keep it to yourself like some greedy mouse with a cookie. You got to share it with the whole mouse house family. Do it. Yeah. I, am I missing anything, Sean? And you just sort of went into Rick mode there. It's like, you got to, Morty, you got you to gotta share it, Morty. It's got to, got people got to see it, Morty. With that being said, I believe this episode is... It's, it's finished, Morty. Okay. <laughs>